0: Hey everyone, you are listening to the Fit CFO Show. Here we discuss topics on fitness, nutrition, and of course business to help you become the best in life and in your business. I am your host, Amanda Hankquist, 12-year financial expert and creator of Envision Nutrition. We release a new episode every single Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and turn on the notifications because you don't wanna miss a thing. Today on the show, I am so excited to welcome this highly sought after speaker, host of the Stand and Fight podcast, Rob Eastman. Rob is a high school wrestling coach, founder of the Eastman Family Recovery Foundation, and gym owner. He's an amazing story of adversity and one successful entrepreneur. I can't wait for you to hear this one. Let's welcome Rob to the show. I am so grateful to have you on today. I know you're a busy guy, so thank you for being on honored well you stood out to me i'll be honest at first glance you're you're kind of an intimidating guy <laughs> you you know i mean you're this ripped guy with tattoos everywhere obviously i i don't have room to talk there i'm like a midwest girl with a sleeve which is not very common around here but you know insert in speed a- handle <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm excited to be on here
0: well, Always after good looking good. into your story a little further, there's so much to unpack. So I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. So you own a gym. You're a motivational speaker. You have a podcast, the Stand and Fight podcast, which I'm super glad to have started listening to that because I was kind of running out of podcasts. I'm like, cool, I got another one I can start getting on board with. You're also a life coach. That's just to name a few a few things that you do. I can't wait to get into it, but Tell me like about your health and fitness journey. What even got you into this side of side of the world?
1: So the only thing I've ever been good at in my entire life was athletics. And from a very young age, dealt with ADHD, depression, bullied. The only time I wasn't any of those things is when I was on the soccer field. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was suicidal from the age of nine to about 31. And again, the only time once I got into, you know, I was playing comp soccer at the age of eight, um, started varsity at anything I touched. But in those off times, it just didn't, it didn't feel the same. You know, I I almost had like an alter ego, I
0: guess.
1: And getting into high school played very competitively in soccer and had some opportunity to play college ball and possibly go back to the UK and play on tryout for some pro teams. Cause we had a tournament over there and I did really well and had some of the coaches asking my dad about me. And by that time I was using drugs and alcohol to cope with the off field issues of my life. Never really a good student. And uh, you know, ultimately that caught up with me and, and when I got clean and sober in 2009 I sucked at school I had nothing the bank came and took everything I owned my wife left my dad died and it was just like well I needed the cute wife to make me feel good I needed the cool stuff to make me look good and I needed my dad to pay for that when I couldn't yeah (laughs) so it was just like shit now what so um, I went back to the only thing I knew which was which was fitness and I went and I started running ultra marathons and you know I went off the couch and just started running I ran 13 ultra marathons I competed in the world championship of obstacle racing you know I just worked my way through these tough events to learn more Was psychology
0: day that you funneled um some of your addictive traits into this newfound love for these like ultra marathons and and things like that
1: And that's a, that's such a tough question in the sense where people say always trade something for that. But I was just in a place where after all those events happened, that was in the first nine months of my sobriety, Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford a therapist. So I got a Pell grant from the government in my state and I went back to school and like, I was like a one, maybe a 2.0, 1.6 student, like never in a million years would I go back to school, but I took that money and I went and I only studied psychology. Mm. And then I took that psychology and I applied it to fitness. So I had a goal in mind every time I went and did something. It's like, you know, they talk about Muhammad Ali saying, how many pushups can you do champ? And he says, I don't know. I don't start counting till I want to quit. So that mentality of how far could you possibly run? And at that point, what do you do? Because I ran my entire life from my depression, from my anxiety, from, you know, made excuses of why I couldn't get to where I wanted to be. And now I had nothing. And the only thing I did have was a somewhat healthy body. Yeah. And given 20 years of drug addiction, IV drug user, like my body was barely hanging on. But it came down to, I hated every inch of that race, but what I got at the end of it was priceless. Absolutely. So then I did it again. And then I took a cage fight off of Facebook at 35 years old and all of these experiences that are just like, I wouldn't recommend them to normal people, but I didn't learn any other way. I was an extremist in everything I do in did my addiction and then out of it. So I had to enjoy
0: psychology. Once you, did you enjoy that? Uh, I guess education once you started studying psychology Like, I know you hated school, but like once you started studying that field, did you start like nerding out on that?
1: Oh yeah. And I haven't stopped. I probably legitimately have at least master's level, if not into my doctorate of self-study over the past 10 years of anything that like my first professor, I was talking to him and explained my story. And he's like, you know what, write your story down and study you. Mm. So I hit on all the things that I ever struggled with. And then I went into the abnormal psychology book and like, just kept going next level. And it all has the same stuff, just deeper. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it. So then I started working with uh, other recovering addicts or people struggling with mental health, but I use fitness as the tool in which to teach. Yeah. yeah. And my retention, my ability to teach my, like, it's insane. I was a three, yeah. nine, five student and yeah, I loved wow. it. Wow. It's amazing. I, I love that. And I, I certainly resonate with
0: that on the, food science side. Like I like to nerd out on what food does to our bodies and why certain things make us feel certain ways. And, um, so I love that you put that in the health and fitness space.
1: Yeah. And nutrition is by far the number one key, not only body health, but many health, mental health
0: mm-hmm. people yeah. are like,
1: Oh, I have anxiety. And they got a red bull in their hand.
0: Right. But like <laughs>
1: the hell are you doing? It's 6.00 AM and you're, you're crying about anxiety and you just threw gas on the fire.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I actually recently had to cut my caffeine back because I was starting to get migraines and weird that that's what it was.
1: Got <laughs> your day off with a burner.
0: <laughs> and so that's live- what
1: people don't, they don't want to, they don't want to look at that part. They yeah. want everything to be easy and, and, well, and the I science get so
0: frustrated is- Because when let's say a diabetic, for example, right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not talk about what's actually causing the issue let's just take insulin yeah. through you know an injection let's let's not try to actually avoid the the issue at hand here let's let's fix it let's mask it cover it up
1: yeah. that's how my dad died was diabetes so i was like i was just barely into recovery and i was like man i could have used my dad here so i'm going to start a fitness company to help keep more moms and dads around and help addicts and that was kind of the starting point but as you go through it, it's like you could geek out forever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like going into the layers. But without a solid nutrition plan, fitness is simply a pastime. Yeah. You know, you can go and train all you want and then oh, chase yeah. it down with a Coke and a McMuffin on the way home from the gym that you're gonna be
0: and you hear that a lot. You know, I run so that I can eat whatever I want to. And it's like, well, it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't work like that actually, but yeah. um, I think people have to feel it for themselves too, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something that's, uh, you gotta have the want for sure. I'm on a tough, tough diet right now. Have you ever heard of, uh, men's war on carbs? No. So it's like, it's a tough, like you have to be below 15% body fat. You have to be before you can
0: even start the diet.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: it's, it's attached to your workload. Okay. So for the big CrossFit athletes and things like that. So depending on what day it is, we get a four hour window to eat whatever we want. People are like, oh, I'm going to eat pizza brownies. It's like, we just eat more of good stuff. But, and it's been amazing, but to see the differences of muscle growth, like retaining muscle and losing the fat and shaping up and still keeping my strength. It's pretty wild.
0: Yeah. Wow, that sounds super interesting. I'll have to look into it more. I've been studying the animal-based diet right now. <laughs> yeah, I haven't quite jumped ship on that yet. I've tried so many <laughs> diets just because I'm so curious. I went vegan for a while. I I've done keto multiple times just out of pure curiosity. Um, yeah. So the animal diet might be next, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think that's important. Is everybody and every body is different,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you kind of have to try everything to see how your body reacts to the
0: food. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I listened to one of your podcast episodes where you talk about how you can't have a healthy mind if you have an unhealthy body and obviously I couldn't agree with you more. Um so let's talk about that a little bit and what are some of the daily habits that are in your life now as a result of that?
1: For me, if like the gym is the gas station, same as like say AA for an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed okay. to give you life like people like, Oh, I'm too tired. I don't have time. It's like a few weeks in the gym will give you energy. Mm-hmm. So if I don't miss like every day, I'm up at 4. AM I'm meeting a level three Olympic lifting coach at four 50 to start my workout. And I own a gym. Right. So, and I have a coach because the accountability, the, the want to be better, because the more I do, I need to be learning or I get complacent gets boring to me because I am so athletic. I can get away with a lot of different things that most people can't. Yeah. Then it's like, if I don't do that, I feel like something's missing. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't start the day with a win and then eating properly. And then I go straight into coaching uh, my 6am group. And then I go into working with addicts and I go into uh, coaching couples and things like that. But that healthy mind and healthy body. Somebody corrected me on that. Like, look at Stephen Hawking. It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, if you're, if you're not fueling the system, right. If you're not, you can't pour Coca-Cola all over your laptop and expect it to work properly. Right. You know, so people, there's so many, our world is sick right now.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Suicide, self-harm, laziness, um, just mental health, be riddled stuff. And I could go into any one of those places and paint a pretty easy picture of some life skills. And simply, I always start, I don't ever dig into anybody's background until we have them feeling good from fitness because that gives you confidence. I don't care what what it is, whether your body changes or not, you feel good and eating right. Then when you're confident and you're strong, literally physically strong, and that doesn't mean like ripped and all that, but you can make it through a 45 minute workout with no problem. Then let's go look at the emotional stuff. Yeah, because if you're already down, you're already experiencing anxiety and depression and all of these things. And then I crack open the trauma egg, like you stand no chance. I'm going to cause more damage. So giving, giving them a tool that they can do anywhere for free. And the type of training we do is like Navy SEAL style stuff. I use a gym, but a lot of it, we go outside hiking, grab a rock, grab a log, head up that mountain, meet me at that tree, no trail. I love it.
0: (laughs) I wish we had something like that around here.
1: Yeah, I want you to be able to I don't want you to need me and I don't want you to need a gym because this is something that's that that's kind of where fitness has gone you these people post these crazy backflip burpee push up onto a box out into a single arm push like that's not fitness that's yeah. just a really athletic person making they just scared 5000 people away from right. fitness right. because they think that's what it is. Fitness might be sitting up getting up off your couch 10 times in a row in between shows. Like, it doesn't matter, but to gain that confidence that you can move your body how you need to will give you confidence to dig into your past and make some changes that'll make your life better. Yeah. So that's just simply, you know, you can be as smart as you want and whatever, but if you're sitting there vaping and, and sitting on your couch, 80 pounds overweight, you, there's some, there's some doubt in that mind. Absolutely.
0: 100%. So. percent
1: that's just kind of how I could go forever on that but that's just kind of how I feel is is if you feel good about yourself in a physical sense it it feeds that ego a little bit and it allows you to push through some barriers that you wouldn't you'd would have otherwise if you were less
0: Well I think you can just see it in people's progression I mean just the way they carry themselves just their body language too I mean somebody starts getting a little bit more fit and they just they start to exude a little bit more confidence and yeah. I think that's going to bring more mental strength. And I like how you say that you don't crack open that egg until they've reached a certain point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when they're pushing and lifting heavier than they probably think they should, things like that and they get pumped on a PR or whatever, it's like, okay, let's go to lunch and talk about your last divorce.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's a, what another thing that I do there is, we have so much adult trauma. It's like to weed through that would take forever. Mm -hmm. So I go back to the inner child, find out when you first started believing the bullies or hating yourself or when the trauma happened and work back because it's so much easier to forgive or love a kid than it is an adult. Yeah. So you do that and you kind of work back and you see the behaviors and you know that If I'm a bear, I don't mean to kill the deer, but I'm going to kill the deer because I'm a bear. If you develop those skills of lying, cheating to survive, and now you're mad that you're tuned into a liar and a cheater, it's kind of pointless. But if you go back to see where it happened, why it happened and forgive that and work forward and see the necessary steps you need to take to correct that, Mm -hmm. all that other stuff just washes out. You can make a big laundry list of people to apologize to later,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, but there's just we've got to simplify this thing.
0: Simplify well, and I, love how you, I love how you break that down. That's so easy to understand. And it's so much less overwhelming too. Instead yeah. of this person is this, no, we're going to yeah. take it, take it way back.
1: You know, it's like anybody, but a lot, I see a lot of, females being wanting to be people pleasers wanting to fit the mold to be taken care of to be loved to be because somebody didn't love them or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. when did you start that on the playground that you wanted to be included in dodgeball or you wanted to be included in jump rope or you wanted to be you became whatever they needed you to be
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you got really good at that but that left you empty at the end of the day and then you're in this marriage where you're putting a hundred percent into it and they're taking 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 because you require nothing in return mm-hmm. And that's a one-sided street. So now one divorce, two divorce, whatever it is, or, you know, guys treating you like crap or women treating you like crap. And you're going, what happened? It's like, well, you did whatever you needed to do to, to play on the swing set with the kids. Like, yeah. it's really that simple that right. when you develop those social skills, you just don't see it because it works for a while, Yeah, you know, until it doesn't just like drugs worked for a while for me until they didn't. Yeah. So that for me, that's just, and, and fitness is an easy way to, you know, it's, it's just a different conversation when you sit down and, and you look back and you're like, man, tell me about your, tell me when things started going South when you were a little kid
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you drop all that ego and that tough guy attitude or tough girl attitude. And you're like, man, when I was 12 my parents got divorced or my dad hit my mom or you know whatever it is and you just like oh shit okay there now you know. I see
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know yeah. it doesn't have to be it becomes easier to become more vulnerable when you take it way back. Yeah yeah. well yeah, I appreciate so. how much work you do or you are doing for youth. you're not only high school wrestling coach. Uh, but you're also an advocate for kids when it comes to mental health and teaching kids adversity through tough love, growing through pain and not skipping over it. I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Another good one is, you know, the, the solution for the pain is the pain. You know, I talked about, I went through my first rehab and I did great. Right. And And I came out and I did everything they asked me to do. I made up, I apologized to people. I made amends. I, you know, my parents forgave me, my family members forgave me and I was doing great. But the one relationship I didn't think about because it wasn't tested was my relationship with pain, emotional, spiritual, and physical pain. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because when things are good, you don't have to think about that. You know, we kind of coast and ride that out and I was playing soccer and I had, I blew my ACL and I was like two years clean and sober. I had just got married in the temple for an LDS relationship. And, you know, all these things were going great. My business was booming, beautiful wife, all these things. And when I came out of, uh, out of surgery, when that nerve block wore off feeling that pain, it was like I wasn't sober for five seconds because I would conditioned myself for so many years to react with, substance if i felt something emotional spiritual or physical that it was like it was terrifying how easily it got me so when these kids are hurt or whatever and mom and dad are swooping in running onto the mat saving them it's like they're 17 years old and they twisted his ankle
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: come on but if we learn to invite pain to the dinner table if you will And understand it better, not avoid it. You're going to see it coming way down the street. You can be like, nope, I see you. I get it. That was a bad decision. I'm going to correct that and move along. But we have those friends that are like, I've had a bad year. It's like, well, then you're making some serious bad decisions because we should be having bad moments right?" and be able to correct that. But most of it, most things that we avoid is the discomfort. Of tough conversations, mm-hmm. physical pain, and not having a clear understanding of any kind of higher power or that connection that we should, because we're either following something that was born into us and taught da-da-da-da-and-we didn't understand the connection or we've been hurt by a religion, or we don't understand that higher power can be simply breathing techniques and, you know, whatever it is to help you gain that, that better opportunity of self-awareness. And so for me, using fitness for kids, teaching them how to do hard things in a safe environment, and then talking about it after applying that psychology to, okay, I know you wanted to quit and it was so hard and you got mad at me when I told you to keep going, but now how do you feel? They're like, amazing. It's like, yeah, but if you would have quit, how would you have felt?
0: Right. It's like and that I, lasts I think forever. We experience that as adults. Like there's times I've wanted to quit things and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't. And there are times I have quit things. And I, I still think about that, you know, and, and I selfishly wanted to hear your take on this because I'm a mom of three kids and I have a daughter that has a vision impairment and, um, I am always swooping in to protect her. I'm always terrified that she's going to get bullied because of, of, of that impairment that she has. And that's, that's tough. It's tough as a parent to not want to just coddle them and, and save them all the time.
1: So the best, and I, this is one of the biggest topics that I talk about is, You know, like you said before, I'm a scary dude. I'm pretty tatted (laughs) up, especially for Utah and, and coming from the streets and coming from the background that I had, nobody's going to say anything to my daughter. I'm going to, she's not going to date until I decide that she's, she's like 28, (laughs) you know, I'm going to have the gun. I'm going to do the whole thing. And it's like anything that could ever happen to my daughter, she's going to come to me after the fact. Yeah. My only job after they're old enough to make their own sandwich is to prepare her for what's really coming down the pipeline. She wrestles. She knows jujitsu. She can box. She's also sweet. Max and, and plays and probably one of the most compassionate things that I've ever done. Education is king for them. Not mm-hmm. protecting them from things, but preparing them for them. Talking yeah. about sex at a way earlier age. Having them understand red flags and signs of what a bad situation looks like. All of these different things. And allowing them to be educated enough to make a decision.
0: Yeah.
1: So this is the card she was dealt. Mm-hmm. The, the vision impairment. You're clipping her wings by not allowing her to go through to basically robbing her of the natural pains. Yeah. Because one day she's going to and she's going to be 20 or 30 and not prepared. And it's on you mm-hmm. because she didn't learn how to deal with it when it was not as bad as it's going to be. If she doesn't Definitely. learn how to play that card.
0: Yeah, I love your take on that. I do. Yeah, so that's and that's very the very tough
1: hard. one. That's where you're like, man, it's but it's my kid. You're right, it is, but at some point they're not going to be a kid anymore. Did you prepare them? Did you train them for the demons coming coming through this life in all yeah. sorts of forms, in bosses and relationships and just bad situations?
0: Yeah, so you have a super inspiring story and I know you've talked about it a ton on a lot of other podcasts and we've touched on it briefly um, you know, here, but do you mind sharing with, with our audience one more time about your journey and, and how you got to where you're at now? Yeah. Like,
1: again, it started super young, you know, being at home bef- between out the womb. And when you go to kindergarten, it's easy. Cause your mom and dad love you. You can do whatever you want. You can break stuff. You don't get too much structure. So you think you're pretty normal. And then I go, I'm a redhead. I had my ears stuck out. You know, I was not, I was perfect for bullies, man. Dumbo had just come out and they're calling me dumb. You know, I get into class and the flaming red hair and the big ears. And I was just day one, stupid, ugly, picked on. Cause I was teeny tiny. And that's when I started developing survival skills, right? Bringing, Having my mom buy me extra erasers for pencils so I could hand them out to not get beat up, you know, bribing people, doing anything I could to hang out with the right people. And then for me, in my religion, we get baptized when we're eight. And I thought that meant that I'd be good at math and that I could sit still in class, that I wasn't going to get bullied anymore. And when I went back to school on Monday and none of that happened, I felt like God lied to me. I felt like the people of the church lied to me because obviously at eight, I didn't understand what that meant. Having my sins and and life washed away, you know? And so I started fighting back and I started developing those skills that were great for the moment, but not great long-term. And when you flex a certain muscle, that's what you get good at. So I got really good at putting on a mask, pretending I was okay, okay um, acting really scary so that people wouldn't mess with me. And then you start to transition into the older, you know, I tried to commit suicide in the ninth grade using a revolver playing Russian roulette that didn't work. Um, and it got to the point that days when my dad told me he, uh, he got the gun and he was really upset and he's like, you know what, both my parents took their lives. And if you were to do that, I don't know what I would do. I might take mine. And and that was when I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want my dad to hurt himself. So rather than asking for help, because back in the eighties and nineties, we didn't know anything about mental health. Yeah. yeah, we sure as heck weren't talking about it. And so I just got deeper. But you get a, you get to a point where your choices are numbing out with sex, drugs, alcohol, pills, whatever whatever that DOC is, or suicide. And in my religion, you don't drink, smoke, nothing. And I promised my mom that. And I was like, I can't handle this anymore. And I smoked weed for the first time. And all that pain went away. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I should have had the whole time. And eventually, that weed doesn't take away anything. And pills didn't take away anything. And alcohol didn't take away anything. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I was probably pretty close to an alcoholic, if not definitely substance abuse, for sure. And... Uh, my life just kind of steamrolled after that you know i got in trouble when i came back lost my d1 scholarships um lost the opportunity to play soccer um, got in a fight with a guy who ended up being a highway patrolman just you know just in my hanging out with the wrong guys wrong place and it, it did not go well and so a few years after that my best friend committed suicide and i've got him tattooed right here And that just derailed me because all I had was survival skills and, uh, I didn't have those emotional, like it wasn't cool for a man, especially like me to be emotional and to talk about our feelings. That was a weakness and I wasn't weak. And, uh, the whole time there's a little six-year-old boy terrified inside.
0: Yeah.
1: And after that, you can fast forward, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years of multiple divorces, uh, near-death experiences, overdosed, died four times, flat lying, 10 days in a coma, you know, coming out. And and uh, eventually, like I said, I got married to that girl. We had a baby. I relapsed mid-pregnancy, promised up and down that I'd stop. And, and I just couldn't. I didn't know I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the know-how and ended up with a gun in my mouth above up in our mountains and, and had a, a God moment for me. That's what I call them for whatever you believe in it can be negative energy, positive energy, whatever. But I asked for a sign and, and I got it. And uh, that was like one of those times that God had never answered a prayer of mine. And it was, it was so loud that I couldn't deny it whether I believed in God or not. I couldn't not deny what had just happened. Yeah. And I drove myself straight down to my parents' house, gave them the gun and uh, drove myself to the hospital and knew that my daughter was seven months old at the time and checked myself back into rehab and went in and just dove. I had nothing, man. I went in at like 128 pounds. I was an IV, shoot coke, heroin, meth, take pills, drink alcohol, smoke weed, anything I could every single day to not feel anything. So to go from that to, and my dad was a state Senator. He was the school board president. He was a car dealer. He was amazing. He helped the community. He was of service. He was everything I wasn't and trying to fill those shoes. I just didn't know how to do it. And uh, once he passed away, it was like, all right, now I'm really pissed at God. And if there's a heaven, my dad's definitely there. And if he's there, he's probably running the show anyways. So I quit praying to God and I started praying to my dad because I could believe in that. And, and at this point I hated religion. I hated God if there was a God. And once I had that connection, like being able to talk to my dad in prayer form or whatever you want to call it, it just kind of lightened the load and it opened up so many other doors for me to be able to be vulnerable with nobody watching. Um, and learn how to share my emotions so that I could share them with an actual human mm-hmm. and going to AA and, and just really kind of finding out who Rob Eastman was without Dan Eastman, without the pressures of the world. Like I took money, I took the dollar sign out of success. I just wanted to be happy. And what did happy look like? It's like, I wanted to be fit and help other people but I couldn't hang out with normal people. I needed to hang out with addicts because I wanted to make them better. Cause that's all I could understand. Like that world was all I understood and trying to be a father was like, you know, the first thing about that and just kind of learn along the way, learning how to co-parent, not fight with everybody. not be so abrasive all the time. And so, like I said, I just studied fitness and psychology and did a bunch of crazy races and pretty much anything I could put, that, that I was afraid of. I did because I didn't want to be afraid anymore. I didn't want to have these closets. I didn't want to be ashamed of who I was. So like for the bullying and, and I didn't want to have to act tough anymore. I actually wanted to be tough. So I started cage fighting thinking I could beat people up and people would see me on TV and come to find out getting into martial arts. I learned honor and discipline and respect and how to be a better man and how to not be violent you know, how to control my anger. So all these things that I thought would happen, it was like the opposite. And it was just, you know, I think it's God's grace of, of taking this very violent, capable, like, you know, I could do some harm, both in word and in physical, and has directed me a completely different direction. You know, um, I never in a million years would I hated service. That was the worst thing on the planet, like raking lawns and, you know, to find myself working in a school, working with kids, working with adults, like never in a million years. So it's just been this, like such a humbling experience of taking all of my fails, everything that everybody told me I was a loser for and sharing those with the world has opened so many doors. And I have real friends because like, if you want to know anything about my darkness, go to my podcast. Like I've exposed myself. So <laughs> oh, nobody else can, <laughs> you know, I was getting divorced and my ex-wife's like, I'm going to ruin you. And I was like, well, I better ruin me first. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. If I get it first? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like the more, the less I know, the better I do.
0: Yeah. And I know a
1: lot, you know, as soon as I start driving the bus of my own life, God humbles me real quick. So I'm done being humbled.
0: (laughs) Would you say that's the, cause it sounds like you, you tried to get sober multiple times, but when God truly stepped in, that was, that was the difference.
1: Yeah. It's just when I got out of my way and quit thinking, I knew everything and changed the understanding of, because I, I grew up in a very religious area when I changed, I thought spirituality was directly tied to religion and then I heard one time that religion is a belief in someone else's experience. Spirituality is a belief in your own. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, well, I know this to be true. I know this to be true. I know that. And then I can move forward with confidence Yeah. and know, I definitely know there's the, the adversary. I walked hand in hand with him for over a decade and I know that there's good in this world. So I simply do the next right thing and, and as if my daughter's in the room, I wouldn't have a conversation I couldn't have with her maybe with a girlfriend, but (laughs) other than that, you know, it's like, I don't need to be that tough guy anymore. And I don't need to put myself intentionally in situations where that guy has to come out.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm more aware of, of what decisions got me to those places. So I stay away from that. I surround myself with amazing men and women and I try and be vulnerable with my daughter to show her what, what masculinity actually is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I want to be the guy that she'd be willing to date because my dad asked me right before he passed. He's like, I was boobing that I was lonely and I didn't have a girl and blah, blah. And he cuts me off. And he's like, if a guy like you came into Sophie's life, would you let her date him? And before that, even, I was like, hell no. I was like, ah. he's like, until the answer is yes, don't date. Ooh. And I was like, man, so I didn't date for two years. Yeah. And I dug through my stuff and it was still another probably six years before I was, you know, it's, it's just constant growth. It's like, you'll never arrive. Enjoy the journey. Learn what you can. Eyes wide open.
0: Love yourself, give yourself.
1: yourself, Yeah. Give yourself a break. Don't repeat the same mistake time and time again. And I don't think it's much more than that you know constant education to just kind of keep yourself moving forward and whatever that is you know so i just use fitness as a tool and nutrition as a tool to better help my psychology and and my mindset and some people seem to like what i have to say so
0: well that kind of leads me into into my next sort of flipping the switch to entrepreneurship um did you ever think that you would become this I guess, serial entrepreneur that you are now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I knew because I had an amazing father and surrounded by that entrepreneurial thing. My entitlement was like, I'm just going to take his name off the building and implant mine. And then when, when he, towards the end, it's like, he told me, he says, you're a terrible employee. You need to figure out a way to make your own money. And I remember I went and I got rid of, I owned a concrete company made a ton of money, but I didn't know how to manage it. Like I was just, uh, through a big enough fit that people would help me get what I needed to just get them out of their hair. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I went and I got a job early in sobriety and worked at a, it's called Surf pro. It's like disaster cleanup Yep, for $10 an hour. And I simply stayed in that job just to prove my dad wrong. Right. I hated it. But during that time, i learned so much about it, about just myself and what it meant to be compassionate for employees and things like that. And then once it came to where I was still, I was training people for free at the park and I was still studying psychology and the fire was burning inside. Like I didn't care if I was homeless, I was going to be coaching people because I loved it. I loved the result that they like what I got out of it and what they got out of it. And so I started doing that and I quit my job because they asked me to shave my beard one day because we have to be able to wear masks. Oh yeah. And I was like, that's it. God, thank you. Draw the line there. <laughs> and so I jumped on it and you know, my entire he became family, an
0: entrepreneur because you refused to shave your beard. I love it.
1: <laughs> but everybody in my life was like, you need to get a real job because they didn't see or feel what I saw and felt. Yeah. And yeah. I look back at that and it, that's the important part of it. If, if you don't believe in you, you got no business being an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So I followed my passion and I sold everything I owned and bought rubber horse style mats and talked to my mom and to let me use a basement room in her house. And that was Eastman fitness. And it took off. And before I was training outside year round, and there's only a few people that would ever dare hang with me on that stuff when I was doing the world championship fob school racing, things like that. But the philosophies behind it and being more about the person than the lift. And, and then it got to the point where I'm transitioning guys out of prison and training old ladies and all this stuff. And, and I couldn't do that any longer in my mom's house. You know, I'm walking these felons by as she's making a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I was like, ah, it might be time to quit being a entrepreneur and be in transition. Oh,
0: so. entrepreneur. oh my gosh, I've never <laughs> heard that before. I'm going to steal that.
1: <laughs> So, you know, and so I, I signed on for a one year lease because I didn't believe that I could even do the one year. I thought for sure, you know, $1,500 rent and all this stuff. And, and within three or four months, I had outgrown that and moved over. And now I've been at another place for like five years. Um, I started a nonprofit. It's called the Eastman Family Recovery Foundation that works with families in crisis on uh, mental health, suicide, addiction stuff. I just started the village effect, which is a youth treatment program. Um, and the po- And then, like you said, I have the podcast. And then on top of that, I do live coaching. I coach a high school wrestling team. I coach a junior high wrestling team. I speak and people are, and I'm writing a book and people are like, how do you have time for this? It's like, I don't even feel like I work. Like I love well, that it. That was
0: going to be my question. Like, I, I just didn't think there would be a shot that you would be on this podcast. And then, you know, here you are because we have all this stuff going on and you make time for people.
1: And it's like, if I don't share, people are so caught up in like their light shining,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that saying that by, by dimming someone else's candle doesn't make yours burn brighter.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like the more I share, if I don't share, then I wasted my talents. hmm You know, I don't, all I care is if, if one person hears this podcast and it makes them feel a little bit better, makes them take a chance, it makes them go to rehab, it makes them call a therapist or a friend or reunite with their kid. Then I did my job. And if I don't do that, what's the point of having all this knowledge or all this passion or understanding? And I don't know. I don't get it. You know, I want to be known for, for giving back and helping the world change because it is messed up and i'm in the you know i'm the front line i'm the first responder on this mental health thing and it's terrifying yeah. you know yeah. and without my past being as crazy as it was i think that was just my boot camp you know i think that was god preparing me and to truly understand what people go through i had to go through it myself mm-hmm. and i had to go through it to the extreme nature of which i did to become the level of coach that i am
0: well and then you're so much more relatable you get it. Like, you know, that maybe it's not the exact same story, but I mean, you yeah. walked in a difficult path and it's it's easier for you to relate to people that are in that mess right now.
1: Yeah. It's insane. People always give me crap about my tattoos, especially here in Utah, but they're like, why would you do that? And I'm like, my dad told me to dress for the job I wanted. <laughs> you know, then that's it. I want, I had a really tough second chance because of who my dad was and I'm a pretty good guy. And I don't want these people that don't have the same opportunities that I have to have that difficulty. So if I can be judged walking into a room and then I'm the keynote, people are like, Oh shoot, maybe we should listen. Maybe we shouldn't have judged this guy. Yeah. Right. But my ability compared to a therapist compared to Whatever. when somebody walks in and sees me within five minutes, they are their entire life because they know I'm not going to judge them (laughs) going into a suit and tie. Who's taking notes and it's all professional in there and feels weird. It's I don't even have to ask questions. A lot of the times the kids, I get the full Monty right off the bat and then I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. But you go into a therapist, you kind of tell them half truths. You don't know who's going to see the paperwork. You don't know. You know, if they're going to call you out, like it's just different, not saying therapy is bad. Therapy is amazing. And there's amazing therapists out there. I'm not the king, but for some reason people open up. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with my look, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: and then my ability to, to weed through the chaos. And I think when people think that they've done the worst thing on the planet and it doesn't even phase me or I get a little giggle, (laughs) it's like, is that it? They're like, what do you mean? Is that it? Like, dude, I did that in the fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bad, bro. You're good. You'll be just fine.
0: Here's You're your golden child. <laughs>
1: Basketball. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Like, it's just, we all have greatness in us. And we just, and most of the time, it's going to be your vulnerability. Yeah. You know, whatever you fear most of people finding out, that's the key to somebody else's happiness. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got to get to that point where they feel comfortable sharing that. And when you get to shed that skin, man, there's just no room for demons. It's too bright. It's too damn bright.
0: I love that. Do you have business goals you're wanting to crush? Money targets you're needing to set? Learn how to set and crush your money goals today. Get your free ebook guide on setting and crushing your money goals. Click the link in the show notes or head over to the link on our Instagram page today. What has helped you become so successful yet you have all these different endeavors going on?
1: Getting out of my own way. Meaning I have, I'm pretty smart, like not book smart. Like I'm genius in like problem solving, memorization, things like that in a, in a psychological evaluation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like almost mentally retarded in, Uh, reading comprehension and things like that. So once I learned that, I understand how I, I need to operate. Yeah. And I need to know what I'm good at and I need to hire out what I'm not. Yeah. So what I've done is I've just surrounded myself with mentors, man. Mentors that I don't have to have the answers. Like I call, this is my idea. And they're like, okay, hey, do A, B, C, and D. And don't call me until you're done with it. And I do it and it worked great. And it doesn't have to be my idea, but guess whose bank gets full? Bang. Yep. Too many people want their name on the board. That was me. And my brother's like, you want to know the difference? He's like, don't take this the wrong way, but you want to know what's the difference between you and really rich people? I was like, what? He's like, really rich people don't care what name is on the building. They just make sure the check's in the bank on the first. And I was like, "Ah, okay, I guess it's not as important as the message, right? So once I did that and just really did try not to wear every single hat, I think that's where parenting fails these days is my, my recovery center is called the village effect Uh because it takes a village to raise a kid. Like I can help your kid more than you can help your kid in the struggles because I've been there. You might be able to help my kid with school because I'm dumb. You know, it's like, we need to share our skills. You don't have to wear every hat and we feel bad when we can't do for our kid, but it's like, just ask for help. I don't need to have the answers, but my mentors do, you know?
0: I love that. I I seriously love how, I mean, it is so true how (laughs) mirrored that is. Parenting and entrepreneurship is honestly, it's kind of a mirrored thing. Like you can't do it alone.
1: Yeah. And why would you want to, when you suck at it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like there's a lot of
1: people that should not be stay at home parents. Right. They do better. They'll give better quality time (laughs) if they go to work and come home and actually look forward to seeing their kids. And that sounds bad, but that's real.
0: No, that's how I, I, I tried the stay at home mom thing and and I was, I, I wasn't good at it. I mean, I hate to admit that I wish I could be, but.
1: You know, so it started early in my career I went to one of my very high end uh, mentors and he told me, he said, Look, you got to do the work, but make a business plan and bring it in and I'll look over it. And I took like 20 hours just making it look beautiful because he's this, you know, he's success. He's been a former yeah. governor. And I go in there and he just kind of chuckles at it, crosses 99% of it out, writes the four steps and says, Just do this. I didn't even look at what it wrote. I got resentment. And I was pissed at him, and then a few days later, I looked in the book, and at the four things I was like, that is so easy and it was like early when i I had made my first five thousand dollar check, and I asked him, how do I make it ten right and that was a big aha for me mm-hmm. and it was like a three month plan i I doubled that money in like eight days doing what he said, yeah. But so, rather than making this big business plan and making it look cool, he just had these simple steps because he makes so millions of dollars. Well,
0: and so you can just execute it instead of worrying yeah. about how it looks and making it all yeah. pretty and just just do the
1: work. Yep, I'm not a I'm not a back end guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a street soldier. I can do the work. I just don't want to. I don't get. I've got an idea. You tell me how to do it. I'm gonna go hammer it out.
0: I love that. So once that. It,
1: that's where you get out of your own way and know if you're not good at it, find somebody who is.
0: And that's honestly, that's exactly why we created Fit CFO. I hated the bookkeeping tax prep and like, how much should I be spending on marketing? How much, where's all my money going? It's, you know, it says that I'm profitable, but yet the money's not in the bank. Why? That's why we created Fit CFO. I I literally was not good at that side of things, but now we have a team of people that literally does that because, you know, small businesses can't afford their very own CFO. So-
1: No, that's yeah. So I think just being honest with yourself and what you're good at and what you're not and yeah. sharing your talents and getting some love in return.
0: And I love what you said about the the kid thing too, you know, if you have other mentors in your kids' lives that can impact them in ways that you can't, you're gonna arm them with a lot more equipment that you're not able to provide.
1: Yeah. And that's like they say at the age of 10, parenting stops having the same pull and church leaders, teachers, coaches, peers take over, which is so true. Mm-hmm. And if you put them around the right people with the same message, same, uh, moral compass, there's a million ways to get there mm-hmm. and whatever's going to fit best. Like, don't we want to outfit our kids with the best chance of success? That doesn't mean you're going to be the one to outfit.
0: Them. Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Especially in this day and age, it's crazy to think that, or to even want to put that pressure on yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I have a, 16 year old son. There's a lot he does not want to listen to me on anymore.
1: (laughs) And the nice thing is we could say the exact same words word for word and he'd hear me. He'd be like, Mom, he gets it. Like, yep, honey, I wrote that for him to read to you. (laughs) It's like they just get sick of hearing our voice.
0: They do. As
1: we did with our parents.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know?
1: So why are we, why do we think it's going to be any different? Because we're cooler. That's what our parents
0: (laughs) thought. (laughs) We like to think so, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, so that's just. Yeah. I get, you know, I think the, for me, I just remind myself every day, get out of your own way. Get yeah. Out of your
0: own way. I love that. I'm going to make sure I write that down because I've definitely am guilty of that. So, well, I want to make sure that anyone listening to this episode is able to reach out to you or at least start following along. So I'm going to make sure that I link um, your podcast in the show notes, but is there uh, you know, where's the best place for them to be able to follow along with you and everything that you're doing, um, especially suicide prevention, overcoming addiction, all the things that you have, um, out there for everybody.
1: Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram and it's tattooed life coach in the number eight. And then you can follow me on Rob Eastman on Facebook. And then if you feel like you need some coaching or your kids need help or whatever, you can find me at eastmanfitnessutah.com. And then obviously there's spots there to book me for speaking. I can speak to K through life, whether it be for multimillionaires or a church group, I've got a story to match. So it's been cool experience that way. And then uh, hopefully my book will be out in early 2023. And just keep cranking. You know, I, one thing too, that I didn't say is most of what I do is not my choice. I just take the opportunity as it comes because that's what God or whatever has has asked me to do. If you're dodging opportunity, you're it's not, it's not what you're supposed to be doing. Whether I fail at it, whether I feel like I could do it or not, I always take the opportunity and it puts me into some pretty amazing spots and and so, make sure you're you're moving forward with your eyes wide open and not letting fear guide you. I love
0: that. Thank you so much for being on today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: If you like this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help others out there become the best versions of themselves. So appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but remember to keep each step attainable.